Hello, thank you for joining us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee, and today we are going to be talking about nothing. This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hey, how's everyone doing out there? Welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I'm your host, Robbie Lashmore. I'm here with my co-host, Tyler Hurley. What's up, Tyler? Hey, what is up? We're super excited. We're going to be finishing up our discussion of nihilism today. Nothing. Of nothing. nothing. Yeah, we nothing. thought about just leaving this whole thing blank, like completely like a black screen yeah, on YouTube. Nothing there. 45 minutes to an hour of no content whatsoever. Yeah, and if you're confused by like that awkward intro we had, especially for those who are just listening on audio, mm-hmm. we thought it'd be funny because we really are talking about nothing today. That's what nihilism is, and we're trying to get that in your guys' heads because it can be confusing, but that's literally what this is, is nothing. Yep, nothingism. Right? So that's what we're going to be talking about. But first, we have a nothingism, meaningless, semi-weird, strange uh, coffee tip. Yeah, yeah. And now this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I and, found this and and borderline disturbing a little bit. That's why yeah. I was going to say I found this kind of disturbing. Uh, so black ivory starts with a arabica coffee beans. Now, if you guys remember in past episodes, we talked about arabica versus robusta. Yeah, arabica is the good bean, right? Uh, these beans are consumed by elephants in northern Thailand. And as herbivores, elephants bring a particular enzyme and an extra slow digestion time to the process that it produces a uniquely smooth, mellow taste in the finished product. Wait a second. So you're saying that elephants eat coffee cherries. Yes. And the bean passes through them. Mm-hmm. And this has a chemical change to the bean and then people drink elephant poop coffee beans yes people drink elephant poop coffee beans you know tyler i've had from a, thailand i've had a crappy cups of coffee in my life <laughs> but nothing like that i mean <laughs> if you've had coffee from thailand it's possible Eesh. it's possible Eesh. it's called black ivory black ivory coffee that's what it is and yeah. like the idea here is the extra um, price of black ivory is due to the difficulty in extracting the whole beans. Well, yeah, I wouldn't want to be the guy collecting those beans yeah. out of the elephant dung. That sounds because, terrible. Yeah, oh, yeah. disgusting. Because yeah. that's the thing. The elephants have a habit of chewing most of them up and depositing the ones that they don't chew in hard-to-find places. So that's mm. why it's kind of interesting, uh, the whole yeah, process I'm of Yeah, I'm pretty sure it. it'd be hard to find in the middle <laughs> of all of that elephant dung. Sure. Yeah, and so this coffee, uh, it's called, unlike Kupi Lu, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Uh, mm-hmm. The coffee is manufactured in cooperation with an elephant refuge, which rescues elephants mm-hmm. from the abuses of ter- tourism industry. And the percentage of the po- coffee sales from Black Ivory goes to fund the elephant's health care. Oh. And so that's why oh, it's good. expensive. Thank the Lord. Good. But So it's expensive because it's a very hard process. Yeah. And it helps provide aid to elephants however it's disgusting yeah it's uh, what do you really think about it how this is a question i have tyler how good does a cup of coffee need to taste in order for you to pay how much this is and to know mentally that you're drinking coffee made from coffee beans that have traveled through the digestive system of an elephant in thailand to, to, to be honest, good, like it could be no. the best tasting thing in the world. I don't know if I do it. No, because the thing is, like, I, I've had some really good cups of coffee in my day, uh-huh. and I, I think there's a lot more to coffee than just 
the the method of which the bean is obtained. Like we yeah, talked the, about the that. Roast so much is really here. important. Yeah, the, yeah the there's grind, other things. Yeah. Uh, like like it's just there's so much that goes into it. So why would you chance it and roll the dice by drinking coffee that was consumed and di- digested and pooped yeah. out by an elephant? Yeah, that sounds. I'm not so going to do that. No, what? Well, how much does this cost? Yeah, uh, gosh, I don't actually know. Uh, oh wait, there we go. We have it written here. Yeah, fifteen hundred dollars a pound. Fifteen hundred, one thousand five hundred dollars per pound. I thought that's how much it costs. You know, I thought Starbucks was a little pricey. <laughs> yeah, fifteen hundred bucks for a pound of elephant dung coffee. Yes, I'm like that is ridiculous. And so, well, it'd be it would be hard to get enough beans to make yeah. a pound of coffee with this method. So I understand that because you're paying some labor, some poor guys going through. I don't know, and I do Ugh. know we have some coffee enthusiasts who listen to the yeah. podcast. So maybe some of you out there would be interested in this. And if you have like the money for it, give yeah, it a shot. Try and, it and let us know. Yeah, seriously, we'll you, take your word if for you it. If you have it, I want to <laughs> know. I really do. Or if you have had it in the past, like yeah. I'm just curious of what it actually tastes like. And yeah, it's gonna be fast. Yeah. So there you go. That's your coffee tip. It's it's not really a tip. It's just like disturbing, and it's almost meaningless like nothing yeah uh, thank you for that i appreciate it yeah no problem uh, yes uh for those of you who can't see robbie adjusted my mic i need yeah he got a new mic and it was spiking a little and yes, i didn't want it to go. be yeah uh, so we're sweet. good uh yeah so we're all set um but that was a very interesting coffee tip i i personally i don't think i would ever try it but there sounds you go sounds meaningless to me sounds meaningless speaking sounds- of meaningless let's talk about nihilism yes here we that's go exciting all right, so we're continuing our series with nihilism today, and um, the godfather, one of the godfathers of nihilism, was Frederick Nietzsche. Um, mm-hmm. you, you got other guys like Schopenhauer, and we talked about him a little last week. There, there's other philosophers. There's definitely other uh, guys uh, like uh, Sigmund Freud and these other guys in different practices who, who yes. took on kind of this belief system. But... Uh, we want to focus on Nietzsche and nihilism proper and uh, why we don't think it works in real life. Yeah, there's a lot of issues and it's just not consistent with reality. And we have to be addressing these types of worldviews. Yep, we do. So to start off today, we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to read to you an extended quote from Nietzsche. It is, uh, it's really great, actually. Uh, it's, a, it's a fictional story that he wrote, a fictional real short story. Uh, and he's kind of expressing his ideas about nihilism and about the implications of nihilism in this story. So let me read to you uh, this quote, uh, this story from him. And this was found in The Gay Science, and this is by Frederick Nietzsche. All right, here we go. Quote, have you not heard of that madman who lit a lantern in the bright morning hours, ran to the marketplace and cried incessantly, I'm looking for God, I'm looking for God. As many of those who did not believe in God were standing together there, he excited considerable laughter. Have you lost him then, said one? Did he lose his way like a child, said another? Or is he hiding? Is he afraid of us? Has he gone on a voyage or immigrated? Thus they shouted and they laughed. The madman sprang into their midst and he pierced them with his glances. Where has, gone, where has God gone, he cried? I shall tell you. We have killed him, you and I. We are his murderers. But how have we done this? How were we able to drink up the sea? Who gave us the sponge to wipe away the entire horizon? What did we do when we unchained the earth from its sun? Whither is it moving now? Whither are we moving now? Away from all suns? Are we not perpetually falling backward, sideward, forward, in all directions? Is there any up or down left? 
Are we not straying as through an infinite nothing? Do we not feel the breath of empty space? Has it not become colder? Is it not more and more night coming on all the time? Must not lanterns be lit in the morning? Do we not hear anything yet of the noise of the grave diggers who are burying God? Do we not smell anything yet of God's decomposition? Gods, too, decompose. God is dead, God remains dead, and we have killed him. How shall we, murderers of all murderers, console ourselves? That which was the holiest and mightiest of all that the world has yet possessed has bled to death under our knives. Who will wipe this blood off us? With what water could we purify ourselves? What festivals of atonement, what sacred games shall we need to invent? Is not the greatness of this deed too great for us? Must we not ourselves become gods simply to be worthy of it? There has never been a greater deed, and whosoever shall be born after us, for the sake of this deed he shall be part of a higher history than all history hitherto. Here the madman fell silent and again regarded his listeners, and they too were listening and stared at him in astonishment. At last he threw his lantern to the ground, and it broke, and he went out. I have come too early, he said. My time has not yet come. The tremendous event is still on its way, still traveling. It has not yet reached the ears of men. Lightning and thunder require time. The light of the stars requires time. Deeds require time even after they are done, before they can be seen and heard. This deed is still more distant from them than the distant stars, and yet they have done it themselves. It has been further related that on the same day the madmen entered divers churches and there sang a requiem. Led out and quieted, he is said to have retorted each time, What are these churches now if they are not the tombs and sepulchres of God? End quote. <laughs> That is a fascinating story by Frederick Nietzsche, right? Yes, yes. So let's let's dive into what what he's trying to communicate through that short story. He was he was communicating to people that uh, because God is dead, you haven't realized the implications for that yet, right? If we have the foundation of a Christian morality, and then we take away the God that gives that morality. Yeah. We we don't have morality. We don't yeah. have significance. We don't have meaning. We can't know anything. Yes. Nothingness. That's exactly it, Robbie. That's where he gets this idea of nothingness and that's where nihilism, that's where this idea kind of stems from. This mm -hmm. uh, this I think this short story really uh summarizes pretty well the idea of nihilism. It does. No, it's yeah. that and that's why I love that story mm -hmm. that Nietzsche wrote because it really encapsulates there was a crazy guy, he comes to town <laughs> and then yeah. he uh he gives this speech about what have we done in killing God, we have lost all significance. We've cut our legs mm. out from under us. Purpose is gone, morality's gone, everything is gone. And then I love what he says is, "Oh, you haven't realized this yet." These, this, I've come too soon. This news hasn't reached mankind yet. And, and that's what Nietzsche was saying is like the implications of atheism, the, the implications of naturalism 
uh, are very dire yes. to any significance or purpose as a species. And and that's what he saw, and that's what he knew would come uh, if you logically played out naturalistic beliefs. Yes. And so th- that's what the story is, is communicating, right? He is suggesting that the acceptance of God's death has huge implications for humanity, for purpose, for history, for everything. Yeah, and th- that's the interesting thing. And there's there's another take on this, obviously, the, the Christian take uh, that sure. opposes to this. And that's what we're going to kind of be breaking down here. Uh, but this is from Christian author James Sire. There's a quote that he has here about nihilism. He said, strictly speaking, nihilism is a denial of any philosophy or worldview, a denial of the possibility of knowledge, a denial that anything is valuable. If it proceeds to the absolute denial of everything, it even denies the reality of existence itself. In other words, nihilism is the negation of everything knowledge, uh, ethics, beauty, reality. In nihilism, no statement has validity. Nothing has meaning, and everything is gratuitous, that is just there. Mm -hmm. And so what's interesting is he just, he's clearly defining it. If you go through this philosophy, nothing has meaning. Mm -hmm. Like, Like, it's literally... There is nothing. Yeah, and so in a sense, and yeah. so we want to talk about okay, how did Nietzsche get to that point of believing nothingness? Exactly, right? and and this is where as believers we need to have a good understanding of what worldview is. Yes, and mm-hmm. and everybody has a worldview. It's how you perceive reality, right? It's the mm-hmm. lenses you use to understand what's out there in external reality, um, to understand yourself. And so uh, James Sire, with that quote Tyler had, uh, he wrote a phenomenal book called The Universe Next Door, and we'll put links in the show notes so you can go buy it yes it's a must read i think it's in the fifth or sixth edition now so obviously this has been a benefit to a ton of people because they keep reprinting it this is a i would say this is a major apologetics based book because the thing is is for you to understand the basic questions of someone's worldview Mm -hmm. uh, which we're about to go over in a moment here you can basically tackle any idea that's out there and Mm -hmm. compare it to reality and show hey this has kind of got some issues because by asking the right questions of about that worldview yeah so yeah it's a very helpful tool and so we want to get into how james sire breaks up a worldview he says there's there's seven basic questions that every worldview has to answer and he's right every worldview no matter where you're from in the world you have an idea about these questions because uh this is the human condition we think about these things and we have to find answers to these things so the first question is what is ultimate reality, right? What is the really real? And now for Christians, uh, we would say God is ultimate reality, right? In the beginning, God. God has always existed. He never came into existence. He's an eternal, perfect, powerful, intelligent being. And he is ultimate reality, right? I'm not because I came into being at a certain point. But for the Christian, God is ultimate reality. And so Mm -hmm. every worldview has to answer that question. Yeah. And then the second question of of these seven is, what is the nature of nature? And now what that means is how does everything work together, right? Uh, The Christian worldview teaches, obviously, from Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created it around man, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We as Christians believe that the nature of nature is 
to is created for man by God, yep. and we are called to take care of it and to nurture it. And so that that's where that worldview question comes from the Christian perspective. Uh, however, it's important to be asking these questions for any worldview. How do you explain uh, nature? And yeah, the where did all this stuff? Come where did from? all this? Where's come the? From? How did the universe mm-hmm. get here? Right? Yes. What? Because we were born and it was here. Mm-hmm. So I didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, right. where, where did it so come how, from? How right? did everything? exist. Yeah. yeah. And how does yeah. it work together? Yep. So you got ultimate reality. Second question, what's the nature of nature? The third question is, what is a human being? And this is really important for whatever world you, you, you hold, because as Christians, again, especially with everything, you know, we talked about last week with racism yeah. and Christianity has the superior view of a human being because we were created in the image of God, which means every single person has value and dignity and worth. Mm-hmm. Right? Why? Because God has intrinsically created us as important to Himself. Yes. On other worldviews, you are an evolved primate yeah. that doesn't have a metaphysical anything. There's no supernatural soul in you, right? Mm-hmm. You're just a physical, you're just a wet machine, basically. Yeah. Right? That's and essentially I, what How on that worldview can you fight for things like social justice or racial equality? I don't know. Right? Where do you get that from? So what you view a human being to be is extremely important on how you're going to treat people and how you're going to create society. So question number one, what's ultimate reality? Question number two, what's the nature of nature? Question number three, what's a human being? Question number four, what happens to humans at death? Now, Mm. this is vital too, because obviously as a Christian, uh, we believe um, at death, if you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and you accept him as your Savior that he died for your sins, that you after death you will be with him in heaven. Uh, mm-hmm. Those who did not are bound for hell. And that's the, the gospel. That is the idea of what happens to us after death. And that is something that's biblical and that Christian, that's the Christian worldview. Mm -hmm. But this is vitally important for every single person with a worldview to answer because what happens to us after death is essentially, it's more important than everything that happens in this life, right? Mm-hmm. For, for eternity, in my opinion, is a lot more important to me than this small little snippet we have on earth. So that's very important to address what happens to humans at death. And that's yeah. question number four. Well, and you've got different perspectives on that, right? Yes. So we say we exist after our death, mm-hmm. oh, either correct. in heaven with You're God right, or Robbie. separated from God. Some people say, no, you don't exist after the machine stops. Yes. Some people say, yeah, you do exist, but you get reincarnated, mm-hmm. right? So this is a question every worldview has to answer. All right, the fifth question is, how is it possible to know anything? Now listen, I'm going to use uh, the philosophical term for this. It's called epistemology. How do we know anything? Mm. How can I trust my thoughts, right? I I, I don't know uh, if a lot of people have thought about that. Have you ever thought about how can I trust the things I'm thinking? How can I trust? I mean, you kind of assume your brain's working. Yeah. You assume that your brain can actually... Um, respond to and understand the world that's outside of you. Yes. Right? Now, there's been some crazy philosophy written by guys on you can't access reality out there because you you're don't trapped in your brain. So you don't know if you're really getting out there, right? <laughs> and again, there's so many different ideas on this. Epistemology. So that's an important question. How is it possible to know anything? As yep. Christians, we would say we can know what's out there because God created us 
to be able to know what's out there. He wants yes. us to know him through the things he created, right? The heavens declare the glories of God. Romans 1 talks about that we can know things about God through the stuff that he's made. Mm. So um, we believe that our brains actually work and correlate with reality that's out there. Yes. It, it is knowable. It's not <laughs> something that we're kept in the dark about, right? Now, mm-hmm. again, if you go to uh, the Hinduistic idea, right? Yeah. The second question to them, what's the nature of nature? It's all illusion. Yeah, that's right. So how can you know anything? Well, I mean, it's illusion. <laughs> yeah, so right? you can't know anything. So that's how can I say. trust my thoughts? Because maybe I'm thinking about the illusion. But you see, I think I think uh, the the thing that's interesting about that they'll say, how can you know anything if you can't if everything's an illusion? Yes. Well, the thing is, is how do you know that you don't know anything? That's exactly. the question you want to bring on them. Yeah. Because because it doesn't work. It doesn't. Because you have to know that you don't know anything. Yeah, you're making is an knowing ass- something. You're making a statement about reality. Yes. And then you, at the same time you're trying to say reality is an illusion. Yes. Well, you can't have it both ways. You can't. No, <laughs> yeah. you can't. Yeah. And that's very important to note. So the next it question is. on the seven worldview questions we have, how do we know right and wrong? Mm-hmm. Right? And that's a very vital question for a worldview to answer because right and wrong, it, it, some people teach that it's subjective. Uh, some say objective, meaning uh, right or wrong is determined based on the individual, which that, that is spoken around a lot, especially in American society. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or the Christian worldview that there is an objective right and wrong, right? The word of God, the, um, there is an objective morality. And that's what's interesting is thinking uh, about all the different ideas that are out there that claim opposed to that. It's, it, it's, they contradict themselves in the same way as the other questions do about reality uh, mm-hmm. by saying that, um, uh, by saying that, especially in subjective morality, you see what's interesting is you have some people that will say that whatever you hold to is true and moral has to be true for everyone else. Mm-hmm. I've heard statements like that, like saying um, murder is wrong is a subjective truth. But then uh, turning that around and saying uh, that uh, that it's not from the other aspect of it, of uh, the spectrum with people who don't believe in moral absolutes. And how can you deny – basically what I'm trying to say here is that m- murder being – is an objective truth. And you have mm-hmm. to make uh, – it's an objective truth claim saying murder is wrong. But you have to clarify your terms and make a distinction. And that's what every worldview has to do. Yeah, you have to say, how can we know what's right or exactly. wrong? Exactly. How can you know? Where, and that's and what, where does where does right and wrong come from? Yes, and where does it come from? Yep. And so th- these are very important for us to be clarifying they are. in a worldview, any worldview. Yep. Yeah. And then the seventh question is, what's the purpose of human history? Mm-hmm. What 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 is all this for, right? Yes. Is this going nowhere? Is there a trajectory? Is there some type of a target? Is there some type of a purpose that all human history is working towards? So those are the seven basic questions. Yes. What's ultimate reality? What's the nature of nature? What's a human being? What happens to a human being at death? How can we know anything? How can we know right and wrong? Uh, And um, what's the point of human history? Yes. So those are the seven basic questions. Now, getting back to nihilism, the nihilist assumes that the seven basic questions are answered the way that a naturalist would answer <laughs> yeah. them or an That's atheist, right. okay? So here's a little history lesson of, of how thought developed, okay? So for a lot of Western culture, um, theism was dominating, right? You had pantheism in the Roman Empire. Christianity then gets really popular worldwide, and Constantine makes it the uh, the religion of the empire, right? And uh, the church starts spreading in Western culture. 
So the development of thought in Western culture was theism, right? You think about uh, the medieval times and all that. It yes. was theistic, right? There was there was a god. There was one god. Uh, then, uh, even even with the develop of Islam, is an idea of one god to move away from paganism. Yes. So then you get to the Renaissance, right? The Enlightenment. And people were discovering that this world uh, was very knowable and that you could do science really well and figure out how things were set up to work. Um, and, and so this was the age of man, right? Like mankind can do amazing things. We can create amazing yes. art. We can. And this kind of arrogance grew up in the Renaissance time period. And people uh, started to figure out the clockwork or the cause and effect of, of how things worked in the universe and in the world. That's science, right? So we have the scientific revolution going on, all of this stuff. Well, what happened to a lot of people at that point was they wanted to move away from God telling them what to do. And so they moved away from theism towards deism. Deism mm -hmm. is the belief that a God exists and he made everything to work well because where did all the stuff come from? Yes. You have to have an explanation for that. And the explanation was there's a God who set up the universe like a clock, but then he took off because he doesn't really care about us. So yeah. he's not around. He's not interjecting into human, uh, the so human absent. world. He's not doing miracles. Yeah, he's, he's just, he's gone. So um, that was what deists were believing. And then what happened was there was the development of Darwin's theory of, in, uh, of natural selection. Yes. Right. Mid-1800s. So this theory comes along, and what his theory uh, provided was uh, a way to not need to have the watchmaker, to have the clockwork creator that took off. Because if everything can just be explained as a process that naturally is evolving, you can get rid of intelligent design and the need for an intelligent designer. Yes. So there was theism, and then it melded into deism, but they still needed a god to explain the nature of nature, question number two. Then it moved into we don't need a god because we can explain things working on natural, unguided processes. Mm -hmm. So this is where Nietzsche steps in, all right? Yes. He died in 1900. So he, he lives in the 1800s. This is when he was living and the thoughts were being developed. So he comes along and he believes in naturalism according to the seven basic questions. So according to naturalism or atheism, mm -hmm. what is the nature of ultimate reality? What's ultimate reality? We would say God. They would say the universe. There you go. Yeah. yeah. The universe is ultimate be. reality. There's there's nothing. There's no supernatural being. It's just the universe. Yeah, because if you're going off the naturalistic worldview, nature is ultimate reality. Nature is right? ultimate reality, right? Mm -hmm. And then what's the nature of nature? Same question as number one. Yes. <laughs> uh, they, they would have to say nature is eternal. Now, I know there's theories on the multiverse and all these other myths that have been made yeah, up. Yeah. But you have to get to a point where they say matter is eternal. Matter just exists. Again, the Big Bang disproves that. Right. But at the time, right, 1800s, pre-Einstein, at the, at the time, this is what the belief was. Mm -hmm. So nature is ultimate reality. What is a human being? A human being is an evolved part of nature, and there's not really that big of a difference between us and a rock, right? Yes. We're just <laughs> that's, further That's what it would be, evolved. yeah. yeah. Uh, what happens to a human at death? Well, if there's no supernatural and there's no soul of a human being, if we're just a machine, when you die, you just don't exist anymore. Yes. There's there's no existence. Your body goes back into the ground. You become worm food. And maybe you'll provide some energy for a worm or, <laughs> or a tree. But <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. what it would be. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how is it possible to know anything? 
this is the one that they don't really have a good answer. That's to. what I would say because they, I've heard the most common answer I've heard, at least by modern day naturalists or atheists, they would say uh, that science is the way that you can know. Yeah, but see, and that, but that's not what the question is even getting at, and I that know. is what they would you, say. Yeah, you're absolutely but right. The question's not, it's not what's that. a method to get to know stuff. The question is, how can I trust that I could know anything? Yeah, and then they would just how say. How do I know I'm not in the matrix method, right you know? now? Right. That's why. Yeah. How, how do I know I'm not a really brain in soup in with electrodes hitting it? I don't. I don't think that it's an adequate explanation to say. Yeah, the scientific know, method helps yeah. us to know that because that's it all they've doesn't. got. But that, it's that not, is. It, it's it's not even attempting to answer the entire question. Right. Yeah. The sixth question, according to the naturalist, would be, um, you know, uh, morality evolves as well. Yeah. Right and wrong evolves within cultures and groups, and what may be right or wrong for one group is not technically right or wrong for another. So the best they have is what's called subjective morality. Yes, that's Cultural, determined by society. Subjective morality. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then seventh, what's the purpose of human history? They would say. There really is no purpose. Survival of the fittest maybe is a purpose, but we're all going to experience heat, death, and nothingness in the end anyway. Yeah. And so so that's the naturalistic worldview. So here comes Nietzsche and Schopenhauer and these other guys, and, and they believe that. They believe naturalism is true. Right. And all that they did – now, again, this, this is very big generalization. They wrote a lot. They did a lot. But the main thing that they did – was they said, what is the logical conclusion of accepting this worldview? Yeah. yeah. And Nietzsche wrote, if God doesn't exist, all of this is just nothing. A human being, what is a human being? Question number three is nothing. That's what he said. How yeah. can I know anything at all? Nothing. I can't. What purpose do we have? Nothing. What's right and wrong? Nothing. Everything is meaningless. Everything is nil. Well, Everything and to be fair, he's right if God doesn't exist, in my opinion. Yeah. Because I, I think that clearly— Oh, he's, he's, he's completely right. Yeah. If This is a logical conclusion. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's what they did. If naturalism is true, which they believed it was, this is what it means for us. This is what it would lead to. And it's yeah. super depressing. It is, yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting. So, yeah. Well, okay, let's um, let's get into uh, – there's there's three things you really yes. wanted to hone in on today. So within nihilism, all is meaningless first because of what a human being is. Mm-hmm. If there is no God that's given us intrinsic value and worth, if we are merely the most evolved primate currently – because there might be better evolved stuff in the future, yeah. right? If that's all we are, we have lost all dignity and significance because we're nothing more than a very intelligent animal, right? Yeah. Right. That doesn't have a, a, a lasting anything. Yeah. That can work really hard to do stuff that really means nothing. Yeah. So there's there's really nothing there. There's nothing special about you. Mm-hmm. There's nothing significant about your personality. There's nothing significant about your individuality. That's All a key of it word is here is nothing. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why it's, it's very appropriate yeah. name, nothingness, right? So uh, human beings lose dignity and they lose significance. Human beings also lose freedom, right? Mm, now, yeah. this is really important. If naturalism is true, everything in the universe is determined and cause and effect. Meaning you've never made a real decision in your life. All of your choices, all of them. You may think you're an individual. You may think you really got a cool haircut or you decided to wear something really neat or you decided to identify with a certain group. You didn't. Yeah. All of your choices are effects of causes that you didn't ever choose. Yeah. That's fascinating to me. So What's by the say? time we're, quote, unquote, free to act, we were already molded 
by nature and nurture. Mm. We didn't choose our genetic makeup, right? Yeah. I didn't. You didn't, <laughs> right? Uh, we didn't choose our family. Everything was determined by the cause and effect universe, which doesn't have a purpose and doesn't have intelligence. It's unguided. Yeah, this doesn't work. But it's determined, right? (laughs) So even the fact that we're asking this question was determined by outside forces. We didn't decide to talk about this today. Mm -hmm. If this is true, right? Everything was forced upon us, and I've never had an original thought. I've never made a good decision or bad decision, really. I've just been. And well, the thing is, Nietzsche, he believed in this. Uh, We even have a Mm -hmm. quote by him where he said, uh, the acting man's delusion about himself, his assumption that free will exist is also part of the calculating mechanism. Therefore, human beings ultimately have no free choice or will in anything. See Isn't that, that like, crazy? It's, that's the thing. And so, and he agreed with that. Yeah. That's what's interesting is the, the fascinating thing about uh, Nietzsche is uh, his philosophy shows that the ultimate reality of naturalism leads to this, right? Yes. And he's agree- He's saying like, yes, we can't just believe that there's a purpose because there's not, there's nothing out there. Yes. And so freedom becomes determinacy unrecognized, right? It's something that's just predetermined because your choices were a cause and effect chain. Yeah. And so- oh, And that's, yeah, that's what, fr- that, that's an interesting point to make sure people understand. Yeah. Freedom. And because people in our country talk <laughs> yeah. about freedom all the time. Oh yeah. If atheism's true, if naturalism's true, Freedom, all it is, is your ignorance to determinism. Yes. It's an illusion. It's it's not real. It's a cruel reality that has created this weird belief that you actually think you're making choices because you, in fact, are not. Yeah, and so like the nihilist idea is that human beings are just these machines that are not, that think we're programmed in making decisions on our own, but we're not. But we're not. We just we just go with it, right? It's yep. in the same way that like something like to them they think that it's just a cause and effect that every little aspect of some one or something that entered into your mm-hmm. life caused you to make future decisions. Well, and now, again, yeah. we got to go back and ask, why do they think that? Right. They That's, have to mm-hmm. think that. They have to be forced into that position because if there is no immaterial soul of Robbie and Tyler, right? then what would be the thing making decisions? Yeah. If there's no ghost in the machine... Mm-hmm. so to speak. What's the thing deciding? It's just chemicals and it's just matter. So you, you, we have to have a supernatural or spiritual component to us in order to be able to make choices. Yeah. Because they would say, I know you think you have a will, but <laughs> it, that's just a brain thing that's happening chemically that, that doesn't really exist because you're a cause and effect machine. Does that yeah. make sense? So, yeah. so it's necessary for a human being to be material and to be spiritual in order to have freedom of choice. Yeah, and that's the and thing. people love freedom of choice. People do. That's exactly the thing. But then they also say they're atheists, and it's like, well, you 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 shouldn't be. And yeah. a lot of people are, and a lot of people will get to. A lot of people haven't left atheism to become nihilist because it's too depressing. Yeah. But this is the logical conclusion of naturalism. Yes. If you want to be yes. an honest naturalist, you should be a nihilist. I absolutely agree with that because this is what it would have to lead to philosophically. Yes, yes. It has to. Yep. This is the this is honestly the best answer if you're saying that there is no God. This is what it would lead to. This is if you're honest with yourself. Yeah, if you're yeah. honest with yourself. Yeah. So so that's the thing. And I think that uh, that's just a major problem is that naturalism leads to nihilism. And nihilism is this 
depressing, meaningless life, right? <laughs> yeah, That's it the is. thing. There's no meaning to human existence. Yep. Human beings are just machines going about the natural process due to cause and effect. Yeah, which means, think about this, your life is completely meaningless. Yes. Because you're not making choices. You're just being. You're a cog in a machine. Yeah. Right? So nothingness. Right? That's where it comes from. So one of the reasons nihilism is nothingness is because human beings are completely insignificant. Yes. The second reason uh, that that nihilists believe everything is meaningless concerns the fifth question. How can we know anything, right? Epistemology in, in philosophy. How can we know anything? So now think about this. If human beings are the result of an impersonal force uh, that works haphazardly by supposed laws yeah. of nature, right? You have no way of knowing whether what you know is real, meaning true, mm-hmm. or whether what you know is illusion. You don't have access to even uh, being able to figure out whether you are understanding what's really real or not. You don't have a way yeah. to trust your thoughts, right? <laughs> Now this is really that's, it's, yeah, and it's, that's the it's thing. such a crazy thing to believe. And that's the thing: if you're if you don't have a way to trust your thoughts, then ha- isn't this idea a thought in itself? Yeah, that's the thing that's interesting. If you if you don't have a way to trust your thoughts, how can you trust your thought that you can't trust your thoughts? So you see, even like the the logical conclusion which leads to nihilism, it doesn't work with reality because nihilism is not the reality that we live in. <laughs> It's, yeah, and that's and, and that's a that. big point. Yeah, yeah, which and we'll get to reasons yeah, why will, it's unlivable. But um, so if if we're just biological machines, this is a question that you want to ask a naturalist or a nihilist: is why yeah. would you expect biology to work in a way that actually leads us to what's really true? Yeah, think about it. They already have admitted that freedom is an illusion, part of the clockwork universe. Yeah. Now, a couple of things you want to ask is: well, how did you figure out? How did you get out of the system to figure out that freedom is an illusion? That's what I mean. How did you illusion? crack the code, right? Yeah. If you can't, how, how did you, you get trust out of the matrix? those thoughts, right? Yeah. How do you get out of the matrix? How can you trust those thoughts? So if our thoughts come from matter and our consciousness arise from complex interrelations between, you know, highly ordered matter and biochemistry and all these other mm-hmm. things, how can we trust what is going on in our brain? Damn. Right? Even if you use the scientific method to study the world, you're still utilizing the brain. You're assuming you can trust your thoughts, and there is no reason to assume this on a nihilistic worldview. So think about this. If Darwinism is true, if naturalism is true, there's no way of even establishing if it's credible or not. Definitely there's no way of being able to prove that it's credible because you're trusting your thoughts. That's what I mean. Like, like, It's just so flawed. Yeah. 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 So in nihilism, confidence in logic is completely ruled out. And Darwin's own theory of human origins uh, has to be accepted on faith. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's interesting, right? No, it's reason (laughs) and logic. If you're right about how the world is, you can't trust your thoughts. Yeah. I think it takes a lot more faith to believe that this idea works out than it does to believe that there's an objective God that is mm-hmm. alive and active and that there's an answer to reality, right? Yes. So uh, that's that's the thing. Like nihilism is just, it's just sad. It's depressing. It really right? is, man. Yeah, you can't be confident uh, in human logic or reason. Yes. And, the, the and yet other, they use it yeah. to try to make the case for why you can't, 
It's, it's so confusing. Exactly, because right? that's the thing. They even have uh, an idea of nihilism in the realm of morality, right? So uh, Yeah, so, and that's the third, the third problem with that's it, it, right? Yeah. So we got what it does to a human being, what it does in epistemology, and then what it does in morality. Yes, exactly. And so uh, the third problem with naturalism that we led to nihilism uh, lies within the realm of morality, right? Mm -hmm. uh, why and how do humans have morality if naturalism is true? How can we, based on our own reason, which we just explained doesn't really exist, obviously, yeah. establish morals? How can we establish morals in this worldview, be especially true morals? Because how can you get out from what is there to what ought to yes. be my, uh, immorality. Because the yes. thing is, they're saying everything is determined, right? Everything's just happening. How yes. can you make an objective claim and say it ought to be this way? Well, because right? with ought, now think about what you're saying. So, yeah. so, you know, last week we talked about racism and the things that happened with George Floyd. So let's just right. take that. So people look at the situation with George Floyd and they're saying that police officer should have used his freedom to not do that because he actually could have made another choice. And me and you believe that. Yes. Because we believe that we actually do have freedom of choice. We actually do believe we can trust our thoughts. We actually do believe that there's a right and wrong for all people for all time, mm -hmm. and it's not subjective to what I feel today. Yeah, I completely agree with that. But that's the Christian worldview. Yes. The naturalistic, naturalistic worldview has to say, because that happened to George Floyd, that officer was predetermined through cause and effect to have to do that. Yeah, you can't make a, an objective claim to him and say, like, like, that he ought to do something different. Heck, you can't even can't why punish him. Different. That's the other thing, too. Exactly. If naturalism is true, it's crazy. Well, and you'd have to say, well, we punish him because we were predetermined to do it through cause and effect. And all of us were also predetermined to believe in this lie, this illusion yeah. that the universe created called freedom of choice mm. when it doesn't really exist. Now, the thing is, nobody believes this stuff. Because yeah, it's true. so obviously not, it's not true. Because we know we make decisions. We know yeah. that we have responsibility with our decisions. That's that's the problem with it. Right. But if you think about how do you get from what is happening to what ought to be, whenever people use should, shouldn't, they're making moral claims. One of my professors, he always told the story. It's so good. He said he was in the dorm room of a kid. Uh, and the kid was a, a, a moral relativist, right, which mm -hmm. is kind of this idea that people just make up whatever rules they want. And he said, oh, okay, interesting. And he's like, yeah, it's just subjective, you know, and what's right for me is right for me, what's right for you is right for you. And the professor's like, oh, okay. And he said, that's great. And he said the kid had a brand new stereo that he just bought, big, expensive one. And, and my professor went over, he unplugged the stereo from the wall, he picked it up, put it under his arm, said, I'll see you later, started leaving. And the kid said, hey, you can't do that. And my professor said, well, sure I can. I'm strong enough to yeah. unplug it. I'm strong enough to lift it and carry it. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I could take you if you tried to come and get me. So, yes, I can do it. And the kid said, I don't mean you can't do it. I mean you shouldn't do it. Well, I thought my truth for me is true for me. Mm. And your truth for you is true for you. So you might think it's morally wrong to take your stereo, but I don't. And that should be okay with you, right? Because you're a moral relativist. Well, no, of course not. The kid thinks you shouldn't be able to steal private property. There you go. And he thinks that that rule applies to all people for all time. <laughs> does it make sense? Yes, it does. On naturalism, on nihilism, you can't have objective morality that applies to everybody. It just has to be whatever happens was determined to happen.
Yeah. And again, Nietzsche, I think he put it well uh, with the nihilistic view. He said in a quote, uh, reason cannot establish values and its belief that it can is the stupidest and most, uh, perni- per- how do you say that? Pernicious. Pernicious. Thank you. Illusion. Yeah. Uh, and he's saying like with the nihilistic worldview, reason cannot establish values. Like morality objectively yeah. cannot be established. But think about this. What is yeah. he saying? Reason. Cannot. Well, bro, on your viewpoint, you can't even trust reason. Yeah, that's true. You see, you see mm-hmm. the problem with this epistemologically issues, morally issues, yes. human value and dignity issues. And then how, what does it bleed into? Well, it bleeds into there's no purpose for human yeah. history, right? Uh, it bleeds into what happens to a person at death. Well, the answer to every question is nothing. (laughs) I mean, right? That's that's the answer to every single question. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we want to get into next is uh, what are some of the reasons that it's unlivable, right? Yeah. And this is an important point, Tyler. Yeah. With any worldview, it has to be livable. So there's certain Mm -hmm. things you want to look for with, with answers to these seven questions. You want to make sure that they don't contradict each other. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, that's, that's an important aspect to it. They can't contradict each other. Um, and you want to make sure that they also, um, are livable. A good worldview has to be something you actually can do. Yes. And and a perfect quick example of this is you, you can't take moral, absolute claims and not apply them to reality. Sure. Meaning, meaning someone can, can't say what's true for you is true for me morally. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, but not true for you, not true for me kind of deal. You can't claim that morally, but live it out with the case of the stereo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can Cause say it, it doesn't apply to the rest of your life. So if you're yeah. making that claim for morals, then, and it doesn't work with reality, then how does it work in morality? You see what I'm well, saying even, here? Even right now, what's going on in society, yeah. people believe that skin color doesn't mean you can discriminate. And yeah. I believe that as a Christian. Mm-hmm. But atheists, I don't know where they get this belief from. Yeah. Because you really don't have to. You can't. And the, the thing is, it's because they can't, it's not livable. This idea is not livable. livable. And they know it that. livable. Yeah. And that's where even, you know, the atheistic ideas of eugenics and, uh, you know, Hitler used a lot of Darwin's stuff to say that the, the white person is the most evolved person. Yes. And as Christians, we say, well, no, that's not true at all because the ultimate reality is God. <laughs> yeah. And so you see what I mean? Yes. Like, lots our of worldview problems. is livable. And it's interesting because people who aren't Christians... Uh, actually live in the world God created That's and true. they can't get out of it <laughs> even if they believe in false perceptions of the world. Mm, yes. And that's what I like to point out to people is to show them how, no, you say that, but you actually don't believe it. When it comes to uh, somebody wanting to kill your children mm-hmm. or steal your money or take your stuff, you, don't, you yeah. believe people shouldn't ever do that. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so it's true. You want to point out to them where they're not being uh, coherent, where where they're not living out their worldview. So why is nihilism not livable? The first reason is this: people live as if they know things. Mm-hmm. All of us, all of us live as if we know things. I know how to boil water. I know how to brush my teeth. I know how to talk to people. I know how to talk to different types of people. I know how to talk to a two-year-old, and I know how to talk to a sixty-year-old. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's, it's very interesting. We know things, right? So every time a nihilist think and they trust their own thinking, they are being inconsistent with their view. Yes. Yeah. That's huge. Every time they think and they trust their thinking, they're undermining what their philosophy teaches that you can't trust your thoughts, right? Yes. So people who act out on their nihilism, um, 
are treated as patients in insane asylums sometimes, right? Yeah, it's true. Uh, the, and th- this is this is really uh, sad because if you really believe the idea that you can't trust the things you're thinking, you can't even trust that thought. Mm. Yeah. And every right. time you're thinking, which is pretty much every waking moment, you're telling yourself the lie that I can't trust these things that are being said, yeah. even the thing I'm saying to myself now about not trusting the things that are being said. <laughs> yeah. That will drive you crazy. It will. Because our mind was made to think mm-hmm. and to know, right? Yeah. So many things in Scripture that say that. Know that the, that the Lord is good, right? Uh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Grow in the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Like we're supposed to know, love God yes. with your mind, mm-hmm. right? Not undermine the belief that you are made to know things. Yeah, and then uh, the second problem we want to bring up with this is that no one can live as if morals don't exist, right? No, uh, like, no you can't. That's a thing. Uh, there is not a morally objective standard against which we can weigh our actions and yet we still feel guilty, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like you'll you'll still feel guilt through moral actions. People yeah. in, inwardly have that feeling, uh, not just the emotional feeling, but it's also uh, just objective. Like you said it yourself, uh, no one be- really believes this when it comes to your own family or your own no wallet way. or your own stereo. No way. Right? That's the thing. And, and that's an internal intrinsic thing that I think human beings were created with, it's right? Called, it's called the conscience. Yes, yes, a conscience. It's called the conscience. Exactly. Which, what's a conscience on the atheistic worldview? Well, it's a physical thing. <laughs> but in reality, a conscience is an immaterial part of your soul. Yes. It's the, it's the ability God created for you to understand right and wrong. Yes, and so from the this nihilistic worldview of having like a conscience or mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, uh, uh, that guilty feeling. They wouldn't say that they really do because they'd say it's predetermined. Yeah. However, they still have it. And the thing is, is it, they, they're aware that they have this. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that would make it a pretty cruel universe to have us uh, built in a way that has these feelings and that there's nothing for them, right? Yeah. Well, like, why you do you feel, saying? why, if, if the universe is the way the nihilists believe it is, mm-hmm. Why do you feel guilty? Because there isn't really a right or yeah, wrong. There, so no, what are you feeling guilt for? There's nothing to feel guilty over. So that has to be a glitch in the system that maybe will evolve past. Now think about this, Tyler. Let's let's yeah. let's take this step further. There are human beings who live who don't feel guilt. Do you know what we call them? Sociopaths. That's what I was gonna say. Psychopaths. <laughs> It's a it's a real condition where I don't feel emotion and I don't feel mm. guilty about any of the things that I do. Yeah. If if nihilism is true, that's the goal. Yes. To get to the point where I don't feel guilty about things anymore. Yeah. And that's crazy to me. So first of all, they need to explain how did guilt get you know evolved in us yes and then secondly why do we let guilt dictate us uh and why do we believe that there's a big standard out there that we can't live up to that we feel guilty about not living up to yeah right (laughs) and you can't get out of that and the reason is because we actually live in god's world Mm -hmm. where he's made things and we know we were created to be perfect and we fall short of the glory of god Mm. it's a big problem it is it's a huge huge problem Yep. The third reason that nihilism is unlivable is when God is dead and human beings are elevated into the place of God, which is what happens, right? Yes. Now, I assume the throne, right? All significance is lost, morality is lost, and the ability to know everything is lost, and it becomes meaningless. Uh, 
the reason is because human beings weren't ever meant to no. usurp God. This is exactly what Satan wanted to do. Oh, yeah. I want to elevate myself above him. But when you do that, you lose everything. And that, and it's crazy because that's exactly what Nietzsche said in the in the story of the madman. Yeah, that's that right. Is, he's he's completely right. I would agree with that. If God is dead, everything is nothing. Right? Yeah. Everything's worthless. But you can't live a life like that. No. You act like you get out of bed and have something to do and some purpose, right? Yeah. Like there, when really there's no meaning. And that's kind of what it leads, what it leads yeah. to is the last point I was going to bring up here is that nihilism poses severe psychological problems. Yeah, it does. Because what's going to happen is people can't live with it because it's denying every fiber of your being and who you are. Yep. Uh, it contradicts your way of thinking. Nietzsche himself, he actually died in an insane asylum. Yeah, he did. Because he what was, was happening is he was collapsing in on himself yeah. mentally because he's trying to figure out, okay, like, how do I balance meaning and existence mm -hmm. when there is no God and there's nothing and there's just determinism, right? Yeah, and well, think about this yeah. too. Uh, he, he, think about this. He's writing books mm -hmm. about how you can't really know anything. Yeah. Well, that seems like you're undermining yourself. Yeah, because it's you're something trying that to you communicate something, so I know it. Telling me I can't know it. That's you see, exactly. You see how this this would drive you nuts if you really believed it and if you really tried to live it out. Mm -hmm. But you can't really live it out. Yeah, Nietzsche ended his life in an insane asylum. Another uh, famous nihilist, Ernie Hemingway. You know, he committed suicide. Yeah, right. Because and think about what Hemingway was doing. What, what what did he do? He was a writer. Yeah, he's trying to communicate meaning through knowledge, right? knowledge and understanding. But you can't, yeah. right? For a nihilist, and this is sad, and we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago when we were talking with Sean White, um, suicide is the closest thing you can get to to making a significant decision mm. because you're choosing to end the cause and effect. Yeah. Now, again, that's caused by previous – or, the, you know, that's an effect of previous yes. causes. Yes, it is. But it's the closest you can get to ever making a real choice. Yeah, exactly. And so, so – yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. and so that, that just kind of leads us to this idea and this question, really, is why aren't more naturalists nihilists? Why yeah. don't they become nihilists? And the answer to that is because they do not take their naturalism seriously. They really don't. What's really going on is the naturalist um, wants to believe naturalism, but they live in God's world. Mm -hmm. The reality is they know stuff, and they write books yes. to try to convince us to change our minds. If naturalism is true, I can't do anything different than what I'm doing. Yeah, and here, here's the biggest thing with that too, Robbie. It's that that alone, the fact that these ideas don't work, in mm -hmm. fact that a lot of ideas out there don't line up with reality, mm -hmm. it means alone that there is an objective reality. Yes. Because it yes. means that they're wrong. Yes. And it, I, I like that may offend some people when you tell them that their worldview is wrong, mm -hmm. but it's the truth. That's the thing. It, it is. It is. There it has to be a wrong worldview if you see that a lot of them don't fit with reality. That is not which, livable. Yeah. That's not livable, which means that there is a right worldview. Mm -hmm. There is one answer to something out there, right? Yes. No, and that's, that's something that's exactly right. I hope that makes sense for those of you listening out there. But but the point I'm trying to make is that there has to be an ultimate reality that works with the life and reality that we're living in. There right? has to be a true north. There has to be a true north. There you go. That's yeah. a great way of putting it. No, there really does. There has to be a true north, um, especially when we can see how things aren't getting yes. to north, right? And that's what goes on with this. Yeah. So most atheists or naturalists, right? Mm -hmm. Now, this is what's happening more and more in society is 
back in the day, it seemed like more people were gutsy enough to say, yeah, I'm an atheist. Yeah. No God exists. Yeah. I'm a naturalist. What's happening now are more people are, are remaining the perpetual skeptic saying, well, I don't really know. Agnostic, right? <laughs> That's what it is. There might be, there might not be, but I don't really care enough to figure it out. That is a more comfortable position to be in because then you never have to make a positive case for why God doesn't exist. You can say, well, he might, he might not, but I don't really want to live for one if they live. So they're, they're not taking their worldview seriously either. Yeah. But right. a lot more people are going that direction of, yeah, I don't really know, but I'm going to do whatever I want. <laughs> it's it's easy to be the god of your own life in a world where you say, I don't know, because you never have to stand for anything. Mm. And so that's what's happening a lot in our culture is more of this agnosticism. But uh, nihilism and, and naturalism, they don't work out. Yeah. This is interesting. So famous quote by Socrates. The unexamined life is not worth living, right? Everybody's heard this. Everyone knows mm -hmm. this. And I'd agree with that. We need to examine our life. We need to seek truth. We need to, for sure. If nihilism's true, it's the examined life that's not worth living. Yeah. You see how it totally turns it on its head. It does. Understanding what's real, if nihilism's true, you want to live in illusion. Yeah, you don't want to And you naturally do mm -hmm. live in illusion, that's which the cruel universe created... Which also unguided. implies that it's an illusion that you think you're living in an illusion. Yes. Yeah. So that's and where you it can't really work. trust that thought anyway, yeah. and you can't really yeah. make a significant decision. And every day you wake up thinking you have purpose and you're doing something, but no, there yeah, is we, no purpose. We have to be on our toes with worldviews that make statements like this that contradict themselves, and it's it's really yes. really important. Like the, these seven worldview questions that we've covered too. I I think. They're vital to be applied to every single worldview that's out there. Yeah, and Christianity too, right? Yes. And now some people, I've heard the, the rebuttal to this. Uh, some people say, well, listen, let me tell you something. Christianity is not livable hmm. because you have a morality that you don't live up to. Well, yeah. So it's not livable. So your worldview is wrong. I've heard people say this and they go, hold on a second. I'm not saying that uh, we live up to the morality of scripture. But yeah. that doesn't disprove our worldview. It proves our worldview because the, tr the, the, the message of Scripture is that none of us live up to the standard because yeah. we're broken. Yes. <laughs> so that's the, that's so no, thing. like that is the belief, right? Yes. Yeah. And, there's, and that's the thing. We don't have like a perfect theology or a perfect idea of what we like of what reality is, but we can come close to it through what God's taught us in scripture. What he's told us. And what he's yes. told us. Yeah. You need the guy outside of it to yes. let you know you what's real. You need someone real. outside the box yes. who can tell you what's going on. What's mm -hmm. What the box is made of exactly, and what it looks like because yeah. I can't get out of the box. Mm -hmm. But that's what we have in Christianity. So this is the other thing. If nihilism is true, we would need somebody outside of the cause and effect system to tell us it's true. Yes, but because there's no one who it Nietzsche does that. was part of the cause and effect system. Yeah. So how can I really trust Nietzsche's thoughts? You can't. You no. You can't if what he's claiming is true. You need someone outside of the box to tell you about the box. Because mm -hmm. if you're in it, you can't get outside. That's, yes. that's the idea. And that's exactly what we have with Jesus. That's exactly what we have with Scripture. Right? Mm -hmm. It's God telling us, here's what's real. Special revelation is a big deal. Yes. It's a big deal. We can know a lot from natural revelation and natural theology, but we can't know everything. Well, and we don't know everything even with special revelation, but we know mm -hmm. what's important that God wants us to know about the life to come in the future. So I hope this has helped you. This yes. is a little more philosophical than we typically like to get, but you, <laughs> but you guys asked for it. I, I did that post a few weeks ago <laughs> and people said, let's study nihilism. So here it is. Uh, you are determined to watch it, I guess. You have to, right? It's, it's not your effect. choice. Well, it's it was choice. because they took 
like a vote, but yeah. you know. Well, we believe it's a choice, but the nihilists Although would say the it was the non-insiders didn't get to vote. That's true. So for those of you who aren't an insider, you should be an insider. Yes. Go onto our Facebook group, find Christ Culture and Coffee Insiders, and try to join the group. However, the thing is, is we get a lot of membership requests with people who don't do what we said in we the, ask the questions, one right? thing. One thing. One thing. You need to rate or review us on iTunes. Yes. Once you do that, we'll let you become a Christ culture. It's that easy. Insider. That it takes easy. it takes two seconds. Yes. And if you don't, if you're listening on Spotify or Castbox or whatever, you say I don't use Apple iTunes. Great. Leave us a review on our yes. Facebook page. We just want to review. One and if thing. you're like me, and if you're like the type of person that doesn't like to do reviews, if it feels like a chore to you, just go ahead and click on the five star, and just you don't have to type up a full review. Just write "good podcast." Yeah, there you go. Something That's simple. It. Thumbs something simple. Up. Thumbs up. There you go. Like something simple. It doesn't have to be a big, big old paragraph of yep. what you like and dislike about us. Heck, even if you rated us and said, hey, I hate this podcast, but you still wanted to be in the Insiders group, go ahead. Yeah. If you're going to say, <laughs> but if you're going to write that you hate it, make sure that you give us a five star review. Yes. There you that go. That makes sense. There right? you go. I like when people give us like a two star review and say, I love this. And you're like, two stars. I've seen that. Yeah, or or like like three stars and I'm like, this is a great podcast. But, but hey, like, if nihilism's yeah. true, they were determined to do it. They were. So, so how can I blame go. them? I can't blame go. them for it. So, hey. Thanks so much for being with us today yes. on Christ Culture and Coffee. We're excited to talk about this. We're glad that you guys tune in on YouTube or through uh, podcasts or through Spotify or wherever you're listening or watching mm -hmm. from. Thanks so much. Make sure to go ahead and subscribe if you're on the YouTube channel and also share this with people that you think would be interested in. Share it mm -hmm. with other people from your church. Share it with other people in your small group. Share it with other people on your college campus or in your high school class, wherever you're at. Share it with people because we want to be equipped to go reach our culture for Jesus Christ. And we want to be confident that what we believe is real. So, hey, thanks so much for being with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee. We'll catch you guys next week. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Christ Culture and Coffee. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to help us reach more people.